Kim David is a wife and mother, an author, blogger, and public speaker who works with her daughter Stella to teach kids how to bring kindness to their friendships, classrooms, and families. Kim shares how her grandmother taught her the power of serving others and how she's woven service into the fabric of her family. The Legendary Marriage Podcast begins now. If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Every couple wants to have a great marriage, but the trials and challenges of life pull us in different directions. So we talk with amazing couples who share their stories and incredible experts who share their wisdom about building a life together. And at the end of every show, we give you a conversation starter so you and your spouse can build more intimacy and connection in your marriage by having conversations that matter. Welcome to the show. This is episode 128, and we're Danielle and Justin, your co-hosts of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. <laughs> what are you doing? I was trying to sing, but then oh, I was geez. talking and singing. It is late at night. I just got back from a, tr- a work trip, and uh, like just as you were doing that, like my my watch goes. Go it's to bed. Time for bed. Oh, so, night night. Honey. That's where we're at. All right, so what I really want to talk about is Pillow Talk every Thursday night, live from our bedroom, 8 p.m. Central Time on our Facebook page. We break down the uh, hot topics from the podcast, our conversations that are going on over in the Facebook community, and we always do a check-in, which is where we have like a five-minute conversation where we can deeply do a heart connection. And hey, if you're curious about how to do that, legendarymarriage.com slash check-in. You can get your very own check-in. Yes, All you right. can. Hey, um, today on the show... Kim David. Kim David. I know. She's all about kindness. I need a little more kindness infused into my uh, everyday reality. You admit it. I need a reminder about being kind, and I just love our conversation with Kim David, so let's... I think you're pretty kind. Oh, thank you. Sometimes. Let's get to our conversation with Kim. All right, we are so glad to have Kim David on the show. She's a wife, mom, educator, and also founder of Project Stellar Resources. Her big deal is she just wants to help parents and educators transform their homeschools, and communities to kids who radiate outrageous compassion and kindness. Oh my gosh, kindness. We need so much more kindness in our world right now. I feel like more than any time that I can remember, the kindness is uh, super needed. So thank you so much for um, bringing a little kindness to the world. Welcome to the show, Kim. All right. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, yes. So I'm wondering, so even way, 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 way back, like when you were a kid, I know you have a daughter who's 10 years old, Stella, therefore the Stella Resources, you named your company after her. Um, I'm wondering, as a kid, were you a kind kid? I I definitely now brag tried on yourself brag on yourself. Come on, do it. <laughs> no, I I remember some of my earliest memories. Um, we lived across the street from my grandmother, who was very active in her church, and she was part of a choir. And they would go to nursing homes to sing. I think it was like the fourth Sunday of every month, and she would bring me along. And now. I have never been able to sing, but I guess as a four or five-year-old, they they loved having me up there. And I remember uh, we would sing, I'll Fly Away. And that was kind of my first taste of um, volunteering, service, doing yeah. acts of kindness, was, was going with my grandmother uh, with her choir to sing. And that just kind of continued on. Um, I was never great at any type of sports. Um, as much as I wanted to do drama, not good at that. But the one thing that I really felt that I excelled at was just being kind and leading service projects and getting other kids from my middle school involved and then into high school. And so um, I was definitely one of those, those kids that I went to my parents. And I said, I want to make a difference. And my parents' eyes got wide and was like, 
okay, <laughs> what do we do with this? Yeah. And so um, I kind of had to, to navigate. I have three sisters. And so um, kindness was always something that we would have to try to practice at home just to have we harmony. Have to. We had the obligation <laughs> to give it an effort. But, you know. Yeah, just to create some kind of peace with within the house. Uh, but my my parents, even though I don't think they quite realized it, really did instill the value of being kind, working together. The only way we're going to succeed as a family is working together as a team. And, um, and in order to do that, you have to show some kind of compassion and kindness to each other when you're living together. That is so awesome. I know you said, um, I was reading one of your blog posts and you said, you know, the parents have kind of almost this obligatory like comment that they give to their kids, like be nice to your sister or, you know, say sorry or whatever. And it's kind of just like a one-off comment. Sometimes it's more like be nice to each other or I'm going to be really mean. (laughs) Right. Which kind of probably negates the whole message, but I don't... So did you get along with your sisters when you were little? We, I think overall we did. Um, For us to have four girls in the house, we were all so completely different. And if you do like any type of like personality type of assessment, um, we are all over the, the spectrum from introverts, extroverts, social butterflies, academic heads stuck in a book. So, um, we, we had some times where we didn't quite know how to relate to each other. And as kids, you don't understand it that, that way. You're just like, she doesn't want to do what I want to do type, type of thing. But uh, we, we, we were taught that we need to get along in order to be able to support each other, to be able to do things together. My parents were really great about having us do things together that kind of force us. We would take these long trips in the van. And so we'd have to sit, <laughs> sit close to each other. Yeah. And, um, and that was before you could flip on a movie or definitely a we just had to zone out. Yep. Yeah, no, no cell phone. It was, we have to create our own games. My dad would give us a bunch of like Tootsie Roll pops and we would have contests to see who could have it the longest, not knowing that that was his way that to keep us quiet. <laughs> That is really good, Justin. Yes. We need to remember that. I'm yes. putting that down right now. <laughs> yes. And as a kid, role. so I had my, my sister was four years younger than I was. And like at a certain point, like middle school, high school, we wore the same size of clothes and shoes and things. So I feel like our biggest fights were usually over somebody taking somebody's clothes or losing them or um breathing too much exactly breathing too much (laughs) when you talk about the road trips i distinctly remember we had this big old um chevy caprice and like they don't make cars this big anymore like i feel like we could both sit at each end put our legs out and they like barely touched in the middle it was like the biggest most huge car and we would just sit there in the back, like you said, on these extensive road trips, my family has always loved the road trips too. And we would just kick each other. Stupid. That's <laughs> That was our entertainment in the car. We would just kick each other until inevitably my parents would turn around and put an end to it. And then we'd start pinching each other or, you know, something like that. But well, we had many of those experiences, but my dad even, um, so we had the Tootsie Roll Pops, but then he was always, because we had such a big family, very financially conscious and, um, he probably didn't realize it, but this was a great exercise in teamwork is that when we would stop on these road trips to go to like fast food restaurants, he would say, okay, you only have $3. Um, and this was back when you could get, sure. get dollar menu and it would actually be the dollar menu. So we would have to kind of strategize, okay, well you get the French fries and then I'll get the drink and then we will have an extra cup and then we'll split it up. And he, he was just looking for ways to save money. But us girls, we were like, okay, we, we need to figure out how to make this work for us. And that was a huge lesson Ooh, just in that experience. We have it all too. in yeah. any quantity. 
you have three fries. You have three fries. You have three fries. But it'll be great because we're just yeah. going to own it. And then yes. when you turn your head, I'm stealing your extra fries. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm wondering too, is like, I know that there's a lot in schools right now about just being very conscious about the aspect of bullying and like to say no to bullying. And there also is a counterpoint which I kind of see it too, is like, if you think back to those moments where maybe you had a bully, something like that, yeah. you, um, it built your character somehow. Maybe it made you stronger. Maybe it propelled you into the business that you now have yeah. or, you know, things like that. So what is kind of your take on bullying? I think um, definitely when when I was growing up, we didn't have like I, I can't remember like one of those movie scenario types of of bullying, but it was definitely like you had people who treated you different because you seemed to be different. And my family, we did move around a lot, so I remember I was for many years I was the new kid in, in the school. And had to kind of like reinvent myself, like represent myself of each and, and every time. And I grew up at a young age dealing with depression and anxiety, even though we didn't even know to, to call it that at that point. It was just you're in those adolescent moments. Um, it's just hormones. Yeah. And so I never really talked about it or even knew that it was depression or anxiety. And so that kind of kept me away from, from a lot of people because I didn't know how to deal with that or I would feel oh, anxiety. And so I do remember thinking that I was being treated different because I was the new kid, because I wasn't part of the sports teams. Um, I wasn't I had my nose stuck in a book <laughs> book most of the time. Um, and that was really kind of where I was like, that's where I find my friends is, is in, is in the books. And so um, I, I felt that, that people were treating me different, but then I realized that a lot of people, as I got older and now that we have Facebook and can reconnect with people well, and hear stories that um, because I had kept myself kind of separated from so many people, um, they, they didn't know how to, to treat me and they weren't going to be as a, a middle schooler. They didn't know how to even invite you or welcome you into, into mm -hmm. the group. And so it was just not understanding the differences or where we were coming from. And, you know, I work with a lot of college students now. And we always talk about like personality assessments and if you're an introvert or if you're an extrovert, but in middle school, that was never a conversation that you had different learning styles or you have different personalities. And that's why it's almost just like, if you're not like me, you're weird and I don't get you. Yes. It, it was, it was yes. just like the social groups, right? The weird, yeah. the, the cool kids, the nerds, the jocks. The band the, people. The band people. Yeah. Yes. Like, yes. And, and there is something about those different kinds of social groups that, that different personality types gravitate, gravitate toward. Right. So there, so like any stereotype or any, any thing like that, where we kind of tribalize people, there's some... I don't want to call it truth, but there's some honesty. It just in makes sense. Observational yeah. honesty. Yeah. And, and definitely. So you, you kind of, yeah, you get with the people that you have your same interest with and maybe same background or same involvement in anything. Um, and it was never really kind of taught at the young age that, yeah, that, that is okay to have, have your, your clicks and, and be with different people as long as you're just open and kind to yeah. the other people around. And it's not that they're, they're weird. Do you think different. that your observation, you said you were always like, almost like kind of like, it sounds like an outside looking in because you were always placed into a new environment over and yeah. over again. Um, do you think you learned like what to do now? Like, Oh, I, you know, I, would have liked to have been included or kindness would have helped here or, you know, do, were you learning things in that moment? 
I definitely, I was very much an observer and wanted to see how kind of people interacted. And it drove my parents and some of my friends crazy because I would always take somebody else's side. <laughs> like if somebody, if a friend came up and they were complaining about someone else, I would take that other person's side because I would kind of want to help them understand, well, maybe that is the way that they are. Or, you know, yeah. they have older brothers and sisters at home, and maybe that's how their older and brother older brothers and sisters act. And so they're just acting that way here at school. Um, but and they're I, like, I just wanted you to chime in and say I know. <laughs> I know. It, it drove them crazy. Uh, now, okay, so if we fast forward a bit, um, so you're married to Richard. Y'all have yes. been married 13 years. Yes. Um, I'm sure he has to be a kind soul too, to like <laughs> be in this whole environment. I am so curious. What's she going to say to that? Like, no, he's kind <laughs> of a big fat jerk head. Like what? <laughs> well, I was hoping I could bait her into it, but I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. No. Um, so how did y'all meet? We, we actually met, um, so we attended the same college and actually had mutual friends, but never even knew each other. Like we even have this video of our college graduation and we're like, he's two rows in front of me, but yet did not know, know each other at all. Um, so it's interesting to go back to, to this video, but we ended up meeting. Um, I was working at the college we had attended and he was working in the area. And my younger sister who was attending the college invited me to go to her church. And it was the first time I, I went to her church, but I was there and they had at this church, a college ministry. Um, but they really didn't have something for people who were kind of in that in-between stage of having graduated college, um, and weren't quite professionals yeah, yet. Sure, yeah. It, yeah. It was, it was just kind of the, this weird thing. So we were kind of lumped into, well, you can just go to the college, <laughs> the college ministry. Um, so we actually met and connected through that. We were all invited to go to lunch afterwards and he was part of the worship band. So he got to the restaurant late and the only um, chair that was available was the chair next to me and a chair next to my sister and her friends who were all freshmen in, in college. So I kind of felt bad for him having to sit at this end of the table. And so I just remembered, um, I just started asking him questions and, and wanting to get to know him because I didn't want him to feel bad feel that he yeah. yeah feel left out having to sit with these, these 18, 19 year olds. And, um, that kind of started it there. And then we started just volunteering together because we were, we weren't quite college students. There wasn't really any place for us to, to go. So it was just like, okay, well, we'll, we'll volunteer and serve as a mentor to these college students. And so our relationship developed from that through serving together. Hmm. See, yeah. he's not a jerk head. Yeah. I knew it. Well, it wasn't, <laughs> but... Um, so have you guys always done service kind of just as part of your family, part of your married life? Like, what do you love to do in the service area? Yes. Um, we, we have, um, mostly through kind of our faith-based organizations. We've been able to do a lot of service through that. And then now as when we had our daughter, um, it really became of, well, what can she get involved in, especially at a young age? Because there's so many restrictions about what a young child can do when it comes to service work, um, so many like risk management type things. So we had to start That's finding so frustrating. ways for that. I find that over and over again, because um, we used to be in a position where we would try to like organize some serving kind of aspects of it. And inevitably the families would go, yeah, that's great. I totally want to come. Just make sure you plug us in somewhere where our yes. kids can serve too. Yeah. And then it was kind of like, sorry, we don't have anything yeah. that your kids Your toddler can is not going to do well <laughs> dodging rusty nails in hurricane <laughs> right. rebuilding, right? So what is it that, that smaller children or families with small kids could really expect to do because if you want to plant that seed of serving others yeah um i yeah. feel like it's just like 
you almost have to like relentlessly pursue it. It's not going to fall into your lap. You, you, you do. And a lot of it, and there's only so many times that you can ask your child to donate toys, um, to, to a a shelter, to a, to a drive or anything. So it really then just kind of becomes knowing what your child is interested in and then finding a way to serve through that. So my daughter, when she was young, um, she loved being outside and playing with plants and doing that. So one thing we could do was volunteer at a community garden because she could use the little watering can and go around and water or help pick um, the fruit and those type of things. So it was kind of finding something that she was interested in and then seeing what was out there in the community to do that. Um, And then a lot of things is you kind of do have to design some of your own programs and things that maybe you can kind of do at your home or getting, the, the good thing is that if your child isn't able to serve with an organization doing construction, there's other kids her age that aren't able to serve. So you can gather them together because those families are looking for things also. So we kind of just find things. Um, we did a project that she actually led was called Project Comfort Kits, making kits for children in foster care and children who are undergoing some kind of crisis and we were able to get donated a bunch of these stuffed animals that needed to be stuffed. So it was kind of like a build a bear experience. Um, but all the kids could do it and it was something that they enjoyed. They just needed to sit there and put like pillow type stuffing inside of these animals and then do drawings on plain white t-shirts. And then those animals were donated to children in foster care. Wow, that's so cool. Like that's a, that's another aspect of it too is like you almost need to take ownership over something. And I would be First of all, it may feel overwhelming to like create your own serving opportunity. Like you yeah. said, like organize the the stuffed animal drive right. or a you know, um let's go go let's all like gather these kids and take them to the nursing home or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um do you feel like there are some tricks to like putting things like that together that it's not like, I feel like for me, it might stop me from doing it because it feels like too overwhelming. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, I think my, my whole kind of support is with um, collaborations and building partnerships and then finding somebody who kind of already has that need and is doing it. So going to the senior center, they already have bingo games in place and they just need people to help give out the prizes or sit with the seniors to be able to do that. And so it's something, it's a program that's already going on, but yet they're lacking some type of resource and it's finding a way to then be able to provide that resource. And in this case, taking a group of kids who can very easily, when somebody calls out bingo, they take the prize to the person sitting at the table and there's that interaction. What do you think your daughter, like, obviously I'm sure your daughter does a lot of these serving opportunities. What do you think, this might sound kind of selfish, but what do you think she gets from it? Because obviously you get into it and you're like, oh, I'm going to help these senior citizens or whatever. Um, But what do you think she comes away with? I think for the thing that she has says the most when I ask her, well, do you enjoy doing this? Why do you like doing this? And she says it, it is that feeling that it makes her feel good and it makes her feel good that she has a sense of accomplishment, um, the sense of success, the sense of um, almost kind of we're in this culture where we like instant gratification. And when somebody says, thank you for helping us out, um, it kind of just internally gives that that feeling of I, I've done something good. And so that helps me feel better about myself And um, then I want to spread that on and I want other kids my age to feel that way as well. And it also connects her with other people that may have a similar interest as her. So then she does have a group of people that she can talk to and um, discover more about each other. 
you and your spouse could be just one conversation away from becoming soulmates. Whoa, honey, that's a big promise I know, to but I'm making it. All right, but we have been using this one simple, powerful tool for almost a decade. It's radically transformed our relationship and hundreds of other marriages too. Yes. You see, in the chaos and busyness of everyday life, we all get wrapped up in these five-second conversations. Did you take out the trash? What? Did you schedule a doctor's appointment? Yes. Did you get their milk on the way home? What? No. Wait. Who? What? See, Why are you I doing mean, this to we me? get stuck in those five-second conversations. <laughs> I'm having a little, a little moment here now. Uh, but the truth is that more intimacy and connection begins with more conversations that matter. And that's what the Sachet Check-In Guide is all about. All right. So get your free copy of our guide, From Roommates to Soulmates, How to Create More Intimacy and Connection in Your Marriage in Five Minutes Without Awkwardness or Ugly Fights Using the Sachet Check-In. You can get your copy today at legendarymarriage.com slash check-in. And now back to the show. Okay, I have a confession here, Kim. Okay. So this is something that like, you know how everybody has that problem that like three in the morning, you're waking up, you're worried about something, you're anxious about something. Um, for me, sometimes it's around my kids. Like yeah. my daughter the other day, she came home and she said, which seemed out of the blue because she seems to have a lot of friends at school. She said, when I would ask all my different friends if they would play with me at recess, they would say no, or we're doing something else, or we'll get you tomorrow, or whatever it was. And I was, I think I was more heartbroken about it than she was, yeah. honestly. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of freaking me out. I had this whole scenario playing out in my head of like, oh my gosh, she's not going to have any friends the whole rest of her life. She's going to be some kid that nobody wants to play with. And like, I was like going down crazy town with this. And, um, so first of all, that's my confession. And second of all, I'm just wondering, like, how do you negotiate? Maybe you have some tips and tricks for kids being kind and welcoming and good friends in their school environment. Yeah. Yes. I I think definitely it's understanding. Um, I've gone into her class to to speak about this, but that everybody has something kind of unique and special, and it's kind of fun to find out what that that is that makes them unique and special, and that then you might end up having something in common. So right now, my daughter she is huge into anime. She loves anime. She has even she's 10 years old and has decided she wants to go to Tokyo to art school oh, <laughs> already oh. already so that she can You're do like, anime. Up, sister. I know. I'm like when Most she when she Google Most parents are worried that their kid wants to go to school out of state, like a college out of the state. (laughs) Tokyo. Mm -hmm. All right. Well. Yeah. Yeah. And she she even Google mapped it so that we could see it on the satellite of where it was located. (laughs) You're like, we're familiar. It's like the farthest place on the face of the earth. Yes, Yes. We know where it is. Yes. But um, when I told her, because she, she got into this habit of saying, well, is it bad that I like anime. And I had to talk to her and I was like, well, no, there's nothing bad about anything that you like. And I said, but maybe you can talk to your friends or talk to people in your class, kind of bring it. If you're sitting on the playground and you're drawing, you can use it as a conversation opener. And then she ended up being able to teach other kids about anime and they started an anime club. Uh, And they were a group of kids that kind of were all feeling the same way that, well, do I completely fit in with everybody right now? But by her opening up and talking about that interest, um, she was able to gather other kids around and they, they might not have been interested in it before, but it was something new that they could learn and something that they could talk about. So it's really kind of encouraging her to, to be open and comfortable with who she is and then um, not being afraid to kind of talk about that. If the questions, if the questions come up, because, I think when when you find something that you're passionate about and you combine that passion with an ability to share it with people in a way that that 
isn't overwhelming. Yeah. That's the key. It's, it's extremely attractive to other people. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I yeah. think sometimes when, you know, little kids, they, you know, they're learning everything for the first time and like yeah. they find something and then they like fixate on it and then they learn everything about it. And then they try to like vomit it on everybody <laughs> that they come in contact with. And you're like, Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. please don't talk anymore about that for real. Um, but I, I agree with you, Justin, like if we can teach them how to share it in a way that doesn't feel overwhelming. Yeah. I think that's the key sweet spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and definitely being comfortable. Um, we, we had a teacher that it, it was okay to be alone for a little bit that she didn't have to force it on anybody. But if you're just sitting quietly at a bench and you're doing drawings, then kind of kids are naturally curious that some of them are kind of looking over her shoulders, seeing what, what she's doing. And then they start asking questions about it, but not to try to pretend or force herself to be like someone else, because then that, that doesn't really really help and then becomes more uncomfortable. Yeah. I feel like a message we teach our kids is like, you know, be yourself, you know, do this. And it's hard. Like I know one of our oldest daughter, she really likes, she, uh, most of her good friends are boys. Like, Mm -hmm. because she likes to play sports. She likes to do that kind of thing. And so the girls, most likely she says they always want to play family and they want her to be a baby or like a mom or like all this other stuff. And she's like, that is like the most boring thing. She's like, I like these girls. They're nice, but I don't want to play that. That's crazy. Play is about, isn't play about doing things that you don't normally do. I know. Like let's play family. We have a family, right? Like, like, (laughs) I don't know, but she says they always want to do that or, you know, play princesses or things like Mm -hmm. that. And she's like, I don't want to play princesses. I don't want to dress up like a princess. So um, she's kind of left in a rock and a hard place because she likes these girls. They're nice to like be partners with in class and things like that. But then when it comes to a social aspect, she's like, what am I supposed to do with this? I, I can't do that. (laughs) Right. And I don't want to force her to, I don't want to say like, we'll just play princesses with them. And so you can be friends Cause that doesn't feel right either. I don't know. Right. Yeah. And definitely. So I talked to my daughter a lot about, well, you still have to have teamwork. There are going to be times that you're going to have to work together with people that don't always have the same interest of you. And so navigating that is so important, but you got to be yourself and you got to do the things that you're, you enjoy and it's just kind of what is the priority what what is it that you're wanting out of that moment are you wanting a social group and are you willing to um give in a little bit to that to be part of that social group or is that really not something that you're interested in and are you comfortable with um just taking a moment to kind of step away and and be by yourself for for a time yeah i i think the key there is like you're saying communicate with them but I'm thinking like as a parent like I don't want to insert myself too much in the whole situation because it's like I want them to be resilient and figure things out on their own like and I I come in I have this wrestling thing about being at school too much too like I know Mm -hmm. there's like a lot of opportunities to like volunteer at school like you can come grade papers or read with the kids. Like if I wanted to, I could probably be over at the school multiple days a week. Right. And I'm just like, you're fine. Like do the, your, the smart do Alec, your thing. Like the smart I Alec version of this is we have them all night, every night, every weekend. Why do I want to go to school during why the day? Why do I want to get like, <laughs> what? No, take them. Like right. do the things. That's the kind of the smart Alec version. Like we love our kids and want to spend time with them and everything. And like there, there's a, there is a, a thing where like, I, I want that distance. I want them to have independence and, and create their own little worlds. Yeah. Separate us from us. Constantly invading it. Okay. Yeah. So what do you think about the, you know, like advice for parents about like how to engage in the whole 
school thing. School thing. I, I think definitely um, you, you need your child to be independent. I work with college students now oh, professionally. And so I kind of see what happens um, when, Tell us. Uh, so like I had a student who um, his dream was to go and work for, for Disney, but it came up in conversation that he had his mom call human resources at Disney to find out, (laughs) to, to find out, um, what, what he needed to do to apply. And so we had to have a very, um, real conversation about your mom, you, one professionally that that does not <laughs> put put a lot of points in your favor but but it was because he he kind of grew up with with the parent that always did everything kind of fought all of his battles for him and so i kind of see now and i guess that's why um I do some of the things that I do with raising my own daughter is I see what the end result can kind of look like when the child is 18, 19, 20 years old and hasn't been able to, to have that, that independence. We actually have adulting 101 classes right now for what? our students because, okay, um, <laughs> so they came to me, uh, we went on a trip and we're sending my face right now. Yeah. <laughs> adulting 101. Um, and they told me that they didn't know how to vacuum. So I was asking them about what type of workshops they wanted, thinking it would be like resume workshops or, or financial workshops, how to have a budget. And they, they said, we don't know how to vacuum or we don't know how to do our laundry. And I said, you're 20 years old. And they're like, well, my parents have always always done it for me. And now I know I'm going to be leaving the house. I'm going to have my own place. But I don't know how to do this and I kind of don't know who to tell that I don't, I'm at this point. It's like you're embarrassed that you've gotten this far and you don't know how to do like basic, you're like Googling it. How do I vacuum? Yes. (laughs) Yes. And then erase my history. (laughs) Definitely. um, So I've kind of seen where, um, I can't fight all of my daughter's battles for her. And so my biggest tip for parents is um, instead of when you're having a conversation with, with your child, instead of just giving the answers and saying, well, you should do this and you should do this, it all comes down to asking them questions. Well, how do you feel when this happens? What do you think you should do? If you were in the other person's shoes, how would you respond? And that that really has then allowed her at a younger age to start developing those critical thinking skills and to start kind of observing what's going on around her because she knows I'm not going to just give her the the easy answer of I'm having this problem with a friend my friend doesn't want to play with me what should I do well I just kind of respond um, with with questions to then kind of I, I know kind of where I would like her to get to to thinking so I can kind of um, provide those leading questions to then help her um, be able to process that on her own. I feel like, yeah, what you're saying is it's about educating them um, in being curious and then empowering them to go and do it. Um, And so if we circle back to the whole like involvement at school thing or maybe it's just I feel like there are a lot of parents um that say yes to everything like are you going to be the room mom yes are you going to chair the carnival yes are you going to you know whatever fill in the blank like how do you know what to say yes to so that you don't burn yourself out because I know there are people that say yes to too much because they do have a kind heart or maybe some ulterior motive, but, (laughs) but, um, they burn out. Definitely. I think, um, so I, I was one of those, those kids in high school and college that people said, Kim, you never say no to anything. And usually I went into it, I would say yes to a lot of stuff. And then 
totally regret it later. I'd be in the midst of cutting out all of these shapes and going, oh my goodness, why did I get myself myself into this? So a lot of it is um, kind of looking and seeing what is your priority and kind of setting limits for yourself. And I am very fortunate in that my husband's kind of the voice of reason and that when I start um, doing this and doing this and he kind of says, wait, no, we have some other things that we can do as a family. You don't have to constantly be at the school and be busy doing these things. And so it's kind of just saying, all right, I'm going to um, commit to doing one thing this semester or one thing this quarter. And because I can only choose one thing, it's going to be the one thing that I am the most excited about Mm -hmm. doing. And I also had to realize this, and I realized this as a college volunteer, is that if I kept volunteering for everything, I wasn't giving the opportunity for other people to serve. Mm -hmm. And when I started thinking about it that way, I wasn't giving other people the opportunity to develop their skills. I wasn't allowing other people to develop um, that relationship with the teachers or with the school because it was always just me, me, me doing everything. Then that appealed to, to that sense of, I want to serve, but I'm actually serving by stepping back and giving other people the opportunity. I think what you point to there is, is checking your motivation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, well, I guess I, you know, we tend to come at things and have some unhealthy motivations, fear. Yeah. Right. Insecurity, fear. Oh, maybe it's ego. Ego. Yeah, sure. You know, things like that, that, that can be in the middle of it when we're feeling overwhelmed. That's a really, really good thought. And I'm wondering too, you said you're, um, your husband Richard is also like a good checkpoint. Like, okay, you're saying yes to too many things. Let's dial it back. Um, I wonder how do you think like the whole, it sounds like service is like a strand that just runs through your family from your grandmother to your parent, to your sisters, to your husband and your girls or your daughter, Stella. Um, I'm wondering, how do you think that key foundation of service like has affected your marriage with Richard? (laughs) It, um, (laughs) it, it has caused, um, a lot of growth, I think, because, um, the whole part of, of being service is trying to, to help people out and, and make a difference and make an impact. And one of the things is when we are so focused on outside of the home, inside the home, kind of becomes that place where maybe you're not always the nicest, the kindness, um, all those frustrations that you didn't want to show on the outside. And so it it becomes a point of, of growth and really where we have to focus on working as a team. And I have certain strengths, but I also have lots of weaknesses and he kind of balances me out with that. So it's that whole working together as a team outside of the home when we're doing all of the service, but then how can we incorporate that also in the home and have those communications, but also allowing the time and the space to express those frustrations and then also listen to the input of someone else, um, but also relying on someone else. Um, I remember many times I was chairing a community relay for life event. And it was so kind of like just at that stressful point. And I thought I was going crazy, but he walked on the field and it was like, instantly, I was like, I've got my support system here. I've got that person who, who has my back. I can actually breathe and relax. And it was just the wonderful feeling. And it was that first time that I really realized that he's, he's my balance. He, he's the one that balances me out and is there for me. He's seen the ugly side. He's seen the good side and, and he's, he's still here and he, he's, he's got, he's got me. (laughs) He's got your back. I, I, you point to a good thing too, is like, sometimes you can be doing all this service in the outside world 
And then you come home and it's almost like you have a license to quote, like de-stress or whatever. And you kind of, um, let your guard down and, um, your family gets the brunt of it. (laughs) You're like preaching kindness and service to the world. And then you come home and you're like, yeah, maybe that's just me. Hmm. I'm just saying not just you. Well, I'm saying like, here's my confession. Like sometimes I can be like a great listener and a compassionate, helpful friend to like all my girlfriends. And then I come home and I'm not curious and I'm not friendly to my husband. Or this was funny. I was talking to my mom the other day and I was asking her, what do you think is a good characteristic of mine? And she said, oh, you're a good listener. Well, that's probably mostly to your clients and your friends. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's what your like, mom said. I was like, whoa. Okay. First of all, yikes. And that's probably true. Like, um, I feel like it's probably a miss if you're serving the whole outside world, but your family is feeling like, I don't know, resentful. Is that the right word? I don't know. Well, I, I noticed so. So, of course, in, in any marriage, you have your heated discussions and your your heated sure. times. And I soon started to to realize that it was those times when those discussions or those moments came up was usually because somebody felt um, just a sense of neglect that oh, you are out there in the community and you're doing this and you're putting one hundred percent into your job, but you've come home and we're not seeing that kind of same attention given to us. And then that is when um, definitely the, the more of the arguments would, would start happening sure. or Stella kind of, of acting out. And it was because um, that was in the moment, the way that they could get that attention or, or feel that I was paying attention to them. You're like, why aren't you cutting out my shapes? You're cutting all right. the shapes out for everybody else. Where's yeah. my shape? <laughs> yeah. So when I, I started realizing that that was kind of the, the root cause of it, then I also realized that, well, I don't need to get defensive <laughs> of when that happens, because maybe it's just more that I need to say, hey, I'm here. Let's take a little bit of extra time and do something that you want, that you want to do or that we can do together. Let's just sit down and watch a movie as a family. So we have just this quiet moment together. Um, and the focus not on the outside because um, one good thing about moving around a lot is I realize how kind of temporary some things are, but the the people that you're you're with the longest is is your family. So I have yeah. to nurture. I feel like in all of it, you're pointing to a lot of self awareness. Whether it's yeah. you're teaching that to your daughter about how to engage on the playground, or whether you're figuring out what you're going to commit to as far as service or like, what are you bringing to your home life? It's all about like checking yourself in all of it, not just um, running buckshot straight ahead and saying, I'm going to save the world yes. and hell be anything else that gets in the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, that, that- that would be a bad, that would like kind of negate the whole thing. Um, well, Kim, thanks so much for being on the show. This has been a pleasure. And I know our listeners yes. are going to want to find out, like, I know you have some great free resources and you've got a book. So tell us all about that. Yes. So um, I have a website. It's just www.projectstellaresources.com. And I've just kind of, one, wanted to create a legacy for my daughter. And that's the whole reason why it's called Project Stella Resources. Um, All of these resources come from experiences and conversations that we've had. So it's evolved from since she was younger to now in this um, pre-teen, pre-adolescence age. Um, But it also has I've been 18 years in the field of education. So I've poured a lot of that into there. Um, I have a freebie that you can get on. Um, It is the kindness wheel. We have one for the classroom, but then also one for home. And uh, the teachers and the parents that have used this have really appreciated it because 
um, they do get tired of always saying, be nice, be kind, be nice, be kind. But this kindness will actually almost makes it like a game that the child can in the morning spin the wheel and it gives them just one act of kindness for them to focus on during that day, whether it's helping a sibling with a chore or telling somebody a joke to brighten their day, just very simple acts that they can do. And then at the end of the day, they can reflect on that. So they're beginning their day thinking of kindness and then ending their day thinking of how it made them feel. I love it. Okay, in your book, we, yeah. your, what's the name of your book? Because okay. we'll put the Amazon link in our show notes for sure. Yes, it is 52 Kids Who Rock Every Day, Inspiring Stories from Young People Who Radiate Outrageous Compassion and Kindness. Mm. And we collected stories of kids um, all over the United States who are just doing um, simple acts of kindness to even starting their own nonprofit at a young age. Um, but because I was that child who went to my parents and said, I want to make a difference, and they weren't quite sure how to respond to that. Um, the book also provides step-by-step guides for service projects and acts of kindness that kids can do. So it's not just leaving them hanging. Um, and yeah, so it's available on Amazon and it is um, written with my daughter. She helped me collect the stories. She helped collect quotes from kids. We have kids ages three to 19 who answered the question, why is it important for kids my age to show compassion and kindness to others? And then um, she also wrote out 21 reflection questions that um, she feels as, as being a child herself that um, kids would enjoy um, answering from designing your own bully buster t-shirt to finding out, um, discovering what was the kindest thing someone has ever done for you. Um, she inserted those questions in the book. That is so cool. Y'all are in it together to, through it all. All right. Well, Kim, David, thank you so much for being on the show. So, well, thank you for having me. I've had a great time. All right, honey, where is an area you are passionate about serving the community, the people? That's a great question. That sounds like our Talk About It segment of the show. We we bring (laughs) you a challenge to set a time with your spouse to have a conversation that matters. Yeah, here's the conversation this week. What is an area you'd be passionate about serving in? So maybe you don't do it already, Yeah. but maybe you're just like, hey, I could really get into serving in this particular and, area. And service is an important part of, of marriage and life. Having a cause, a purpose, something that is bigger than uh, your own home, than paying your the, family. Paying the bills. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, yes, but also like I want to have a cause of, of building, building my kids up or serving, you know, serving through my family. I want my family to be healthy and, you know, I want to invest in them and that's my legacy and that's great. Yes. And the research shows that couples that have something, a, a purpose that they're serving outside their yeah. own home have stronger relationships. So. All right. We'll talk about that even more this week on our Pillow Talk episode live from our Facebook page Thursday at 8 p.m. Central. That's it for today's show. As always, we're talking about all the hot topics from the podcast and so much more in our free community on Facebook. So come join the conversation at legendarymarriage.com slash community. You can find this episode and the show notes at legendarymarriage.com slash one, two, eight. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show so we know how we're doing and other couples can find us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.